0: Hi, my name's Jill Cook, and as you know, I'm the deputy editor of BJSM. My guest today is Dr. Alex Contouris, who's currently a physiotherapist for the Australian men's cricket team, and has been in this position for the last eight years. Prior to that, he was in the same position with the Sri Lankan cricket team for seven years, so he's had 15 years in the sport. Today's podcast will be about his experiences with cricket and the issues of managing athletes with year-round schedules. Alex is in the media as little as possible, but has certainly drawn some attention whenever there is a state of injuries in the team. Alex, welcome.
1: Thanks, Jill. Thanks for having me on. It's it's an honour to be on uh, the BJSM uh, podcast.
0: This podcast, we've taken a little bit of an unusual step and we've called for questions on the Twittergeist. And we have some questions from some of our uh, Twitter followers. So we're going to combine questions from... Myself and and from you, there, the listener. So, Alex, our first question today is from Alexander Downey, and his question is: What injury prevention strategies are in place to protect young fast bowlers aiming for selection in the Test team?
1: Uh, that's a really good question, Jill. It's ah, and it's a really tough question because. Obviously, all our our goal is to prevent injuries. Um, you know, we're all pretty good at managing injuries, but at the elite level, preventing injuries is really uh, the holy grail. But um, as we know, there are so many factors associated with injury and trying to um, manage all of them uh, before they occur is, is a difficult task. Um, our, our goals, obviously, with preventing injuries is to make sure that the players, particularly young fast bowlers, are adequately prepared. So therefore, we make sure that they've got Um, The right levels of fitness, their strength, Um, we look at their bowling technique and make sure that's as as good as it can be because we know that that's one of the risk factors and we look at their making sure that they've got adequate workloads, not too high, not too low, but uh, the right amounts for their age and what the competitions are going to be uh, playing in. So that's an important part of injury prevention. Of course we do other things we monitor and you know we see um, how they recover from sessions and how they feel from day to day so how well prepared and how well they've coped with the sessions that they're about to do so whether it's training or playing a game and we try to put all all those things together and you know find a complex way of trying to prevent an injury
0: so it sounds like the players are monitored constantly both at the level of the Australian team or, or the national team and at the uh, other elite levels that they might play at.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, the elite level players uh, in Australia have uh, are monitored uh, very closely. We have an app um, that's used on their on their phones or whatever device they're using, and they every day put in the, the amount of work they've done, what they've done, whether they've done a running session, a strength session, how many balls they've bowled, and they give us information such as how how strenuous they found the sessions by putting in their uh, rate of perceived uh, exertion (RPE) and uh, other wellness factors so like how well. How they slept, how they feel, and other uh, other information that we that we deem useful. So, and that information is downloaded onto our onto our um, web page, and we have people looking at it and trying to make sense of it and work out uh, the trends that lead to injury, and hopefully try to prevent them.
0: So it certainly sounds like you're using all of the best evidence for your, in your injury prevention strategies um, to protect your players, and particularly your fast bowlers, as as you suggest. Our next question is from Peter Geddings, who asked what are your recovery strategies between innings and between matches and he had particular interest in what happens in extreme heat conditions as we've seen in the Ashes series.
1: Yes, um, the heat's obviously a problem being a summer sport and it's not as big a problem in Australia um, as it is when we travel to the subcontinent where the humidity is a big factor. You know, so we do work very hard to make sure we manage uh, the heat. Um, Things we use, obviously, ice baths. Um, So players get in there in the ice baths at lunch breaks, uh, after their bowling spells, at the end of the day, just to cool them down from uh, the work they've done. But we also have uh, pre-cooling strategies. Uh, We carry a slushy machine. like you find at the 7-Elevens and we, we put in uh, recovery drinks and hydration drinks of our choice into those machines and the players have those drinks on really hot days just to pre-cool them and some evidence of that, that that helps um, reduce the effects of, of heat. And we also test their hydration. We test it, you know, the day of the game, the day before the game. We weigh them and we make sure that uh, we know um, how much weight they've lost and therefore how much fluid they've lost uh, throughout a, a training session or, or, or a game day. And every, every player has um, indiv- individualised drinks from our nutritionist. Um, they've had sweat testing from the Gatorade In- Institute to individualise the, 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 the requirements of each player to, to meet uh, what they're, what they're going to be up for for that day.
0: Fantastic. So our next question is from Physio Withio. I'm not sure about their name, but that's their Twitter name. And the question is, Powerfield is prepared in-game for sudden explosive action from relative inactivity of standing around in the field to minimise the injury risk.
1: Yeah, this is a really tough one. Um, there's a couple of aspects to this. You really can't prepare for standing around the field for six hours. Um, but the, really the key is that they're not really standing around. Uh, we encourage our players in the field to be moving around. You'll probably find that they, they do run around. And uh, what the viewers don't see between overs is that they actually run um, from one position to the next. So at the end of the over, they've got to change positions. And it's typically the, the opposite end of the ground from where they're at the moment so they run to the other side of the ground so they do get, uh, they move quite a bit uh, in between, in between uh, overs and so they do get a fair bit of movement, they're not really just standing around for long periods of time, um, even throwing every time the ball comes to them we encourage them to throw the ball back to the wicketkeeper and just make sure that their arm's warm but they're the strategies we take um, and uh, it seems to be a, a low risk when it comes to the, the injuries that we get from the soft tissue injuries that we get from fielding
0: So you don't actually have a lot of injuries from fielders um, running after the ball and and throwing it back.
1: Uh, We we do get those injuries, but they're not as high as what you would think when players are standing around. I think it probably also tells us that, you know, our warm-ups and, um, you know, the, the emphasis we place on uh, preparing players uh, just ready, just about before they're, they're going to take the field may, may, may need to vary because it, we, what we've seen is that players can stand around and then sprint and, and, and get away with it. Um, so um, that's that's an important factor that we consider. But really the, the, it goes back to how hard they've trained and how well prepared they are to, for the activities they're going to do. All these guys are very good athletes and they, uh, they train very hard. So when they have to sprint after a ball, they're ready to go.
0: OK, our next question is from Richard Norris, and he had an interesting question, which is, do wicket keepers get specific problems because of the strange positions that they adopt and repeatedly adopt during a match?
1: Yeah, wicket keepers are a very tough breed. Um, it's, a, it's a very unforgiving position in the, in the, in the game. They're, they're squatting. Uh, down and they're in the game every ball, so they could be out there for six hours. So the, the things that um, typically are a problem with with, with the wicket keepers are their knees um, and their and their backs. They typically get some neural uh, uh, back injuries, so they they might get some hamstring pain or posterior thigh pain that's back related. So we see a fair bit of back-related uh, injuries with the wicket keepers. Um, they get degenerative knees, there, but that's sort of wear and tear over a long period of time. But really the main injury that they get is broken fingers. If you look at the wicket keepers' hands, their fingers are, you know, at 90 degrees a lot of the times from you know the joints have, have moved. They've been dis- dislocated and fractured and not set properly, and they, they, they're they not a pretty sight. But they're like I said, they're a very tough breed, and they uh, somehow cope.
0: Joe Books wants to know if there are any measures to control foot and ankle kinetics in fast bowlers to reduce the risk of injury.
1: Yeah, that's a really tough one as well. I mean, um, we don't know the role of the foot and ankle um, in all injuries, but we certainly see a fair few foot and ankle injuries. Fast bowlers get posterior ankle pain. They get stress fractures. Um, we see stress fractures in other players, uh, fielders. Um, We use podiatrists to get biomechanical assessments. But one of the things we do um, focus our attention on is making sure that players have got footwear that's individualised to their type of foot and uh, the the position that they're in. So fast bowlers with a certain foot type, we try to encourage them to use a specific shoe. We're lucky we've got a very good relationship with ASICS who produce a lot of cricket shoes and they're happy to make modifications to to shoes to suit the players' uh, needs.
0: And is there any truth in the rumour like there used to be in basketball that a more high cut or low cut boot is more suitable?
1: No, I don't think that makes a difference. And you probably find that most fast bowlers have now moved away from the high cut shoe. I don't think there's any difference. There's been a little bit of research um, but uh, that hasn't shown any difference in the stability or support or anything like that in the, in, in the high covers of the low-cut shoe. So you, you'll probably find that most fast bowlers these days use low-cut
0: shoes. Excellent. Okay, so moving on, Matt Kroger wanted to know what are the bowling loads leading up to a test? The
1: bowling loads um, are monitored, and we use you know the expertise of the coaches, and we use the science that we've had, you know, the the research that we've done, and the player's age, uh, their injury history, and depending on the tournaments that they've had leading into it, to determine what sort of bowling loads we uh, we set for for bowlers leading into into test matches. There's no one figure that can be set for every bowler. Um, it will vary. It's somewhere between 150 and 220 balls a week, but it's not as simple as just the number because even trying to get to these number number of deliveries per week, it's not just for that week. You know, we, they need to be prepared for you know four, five, six, eight weeks uh, leading into a test series to be ready to go. And um, that's the, inform- the 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 research that we're trying to get out. There was a paper published last year um, in BJSM uh, actually that showed that. If if you um, had a spike in your workloads by 200%, maybe, say, so if you bowl 200% more one week from the from your four-week average, the risk, the relative risk of getting an injury was 4.5. So we know that if you if you bowl a lot more than you'll you're prepared for, then the risk goes up. So we try to have a gradual build up um, and we try to periodize their bowling workload. So there's high loads and there's periods of recovery. So it's not a simple one number, how much do you bowl the week before? It's a it's it's a ongoing process. And at international level, it's a twelve month season. So we've got to keep, you know, balancing, keeping the workloads up high so they don't spike when they when they have high uh, bowling loads, but at the same time, giving them a break to recover from the the, the, the constant um, bowling loads they have throughout the year.
0: So like everything that we deal with in managing injuries and athletes, is it's both an underload and an overload issue that they can't bowl too little and they can't bowl too much.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, you would know with tendons, it's it's the same sort of thing. They need to be prepared for what they're going to do. Um, and doing that is, is easier said than done, particularly with the scheduling. It's not, you know, we don't have a three or four or five month preseason where we can just nice gradually build up the workloads, give them a recovery week, build it back up again. We, you know, we've really got an undulating, periodised uh, season and we go from uh, a one-day tournament that they bowl 10 overs to a T20 tournament where they bowl four overs to a uh, test series where they might bowl 50 overs in a game and uh, we need to manage those demands. There's travel in between, there's other commitments and trying to get workloads to levels that we want them is, is a challenge and it's particularly a challenge of the modern game.
0: So... We've heard a lot in the media, certainly in Australia, that uh, some of the uh, commentators who used to be elite cricketers think that the current players are not bowling enough. And I know that you have very definite thoughts about what has changed over the last 10 years in cricket. And and would you like to comment on that?
1: Yeah, I've been involved in the game since the mid-90s. So I've seen the game change. Um, There's, a like every sport the game moves forward and you need to move with it the the biggest change in the last 10 years uh, has been the popularity of T20 cricket, um, so the shortest version of the game. And the game itself is relatively low risk, particularly for fast bowlers, because they're only bowling four overs, as opposed to the 50 plus overs they bowl in test matches. So in theory, that's a a lower risk. But the the problem with it is that they've had to schedule all these T20 tournaments throughout the world, uh, in Australia, in India, in England, and play. Players are playing these tournaments throughout the year, and it, and it's cut down the amount of preparation time the players have leading into the, into uh, other tournaments, and it's condensed the program. Um, so the longer formats of the game, so the the Test matches and the Sheffield Shield games are all now being played in a in a smaller period of time and crammed into a shorter period. So recovery between games has been compromised, and that's really been the biggest change in the last in the last 10 years that, that we've seen. And, you know, we, we keep very good um, injury statistics. Uh, we have John Orchard doing our injury surveillance and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that the the condensing of the, the schedules um, is something that is a real challenge. Um, it's something that's not going to change and we we know that and it's not a bad thing because, it, you know, the shorter versions of the game help drive revenue and help the game uh, prosper in the future. So we've just got to be able to adapt and that's been one of the challenges the last two or three years trying to adapt with the 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 new scheduling and the way the way the game has changed
0: we hear also in the media and I guess I've been listening to too much cricket commentary but that there's a rotation policy for fast bowlers but I noticed that in the last test series you played the same bowlers for five consecutive tests How, how do you decide who plays
1: yeah, we don't really have a rotation policy or we don't have a rotation policy and we've said that so many times I don't think anyone uh, really really cares to listen to that though but um, we do manage our, our fast bowlers and all our players really. Um, the way we decide whether someone plays a game is we look at what they've done, um, we look at how they've recovered from a particular game um, so how much they've bowled, how they've recovered from the game, whether they're injured or not injured um, and we make a recommendation to the coaches and we have a discussion with the coaches and the player and we between us make a decision whether they're at their best to play the next game and if um, if they're not at their best and fully fit to play they don't play typically so it, it's a collaborative decision between the medical team and the coach and the player and we we come to a sensible decision and you know this year all the players uh, we had we used the same three fast bowlers for five tests, which is you know, unusual. I'm not sure it's been done before, but um, and it's been fantastic that we did that. But we were, we were able to do that because our bowlers bowled overs that were manageable um, compared to, for example, compared to last season. I think on six occasions we had we had bowlers bowl more than fifty overs in in a in a match, whereas this season it didn't happen once. And I think last season, bowlers bowled 40 overs in a a match uh, 11 times. And this season, it happened on four occasions. Um, So, you know, the demands of the game this year were different because, you know, the the opponent, the situation, you know, things change. So we just, we make decisions based on what we've got, um, what's, what's confronting us at the moment and, you know, what we've got coming up.
0: Alex, it sounds like the Australian team's in fantastic hands with you. Do you think that most international teams do something similar to what you're doing?
1: I think they do, yeah. I think the the demands of the modern game uh, mean that everyone needs to use all the resources, use all the evidence available to them to to get the best outcome. It's, you know, saying all these things is easy. Putting them in place is incredibly hard. Uh, because it, um, it you know there's a lot of variables to, to consider and uh, you know we can't control those variables.
0: Alex thanks so much for your time and sharing your expertise where are you off to next?
1: We're off to uh, South Africa uh, we've got a the test series against uh, um, South Africa we've got an amazing team and it's going to be uh, a, a great tour so and a great challenge for, for our team.
0: Well, good luck with that, and thanks on behalf of CJFM.
1: Thank you very much for having me.